Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. In, in the union, which is really powerful. Um, and that's what God says that we would be able to do, is to uh, show forth the wisdom of God. I, I want you guys to really be familiar with these verses We've shared them for years here at church. Um, there is such intense uh, lack of wisdom in our day and age. And, and, and then the people that are walking in wickedness are dictating the law of the land. And that, that shows you that the church is, is not being the power house that God desires. Let's go to the book of Ephesians real quickly. Um, we already talked about Sunday that, that only to the degree of the existing of a proclamation is the authority and the power of God going to be established. And uh, you have these people um, that are walking around in ungodliness and lack of righteousness and, and contrary to the word, having a louder voice in our generation. And that's not to be. Uh, the Bible says we're to proclaim the gospel, we're to, we're to speak forth the kingdom of God. And here in the book of Ephesians, um, he makes a declaration of what the purpose of the church is. And it's to allow um, the powers that be to be able to know the wisdom of God. Um, and, and he says that, that this shall happen through the church. And um, we can start reading there in verse 18. We're reading Ephesians 1.18. He says, I pray, we could go to verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, when you're talking about wisdom, you're talking about being able to think like God thinks and revelation to see what God wants to reveal. The knowledge of him, right? The understanding, the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding, instead of them being darkened, that they would be enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance, and what is, verse 19, the exceeding greatness of his power that, that is, is put forth toward those who believe according to the working of his min, mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus. And so he, being set at the right hand uh, on the, in heavenly places, he's way above every principality and power, every might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things, Jesus Christ to be the head over all things, that which is to be over all things is the church, and he's the head of that which is over all things, the church, which his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
And so um, the church is to be able to, to proclaim, to be able to say, you know something, that's not the way it's supposed to be with respect to relationship. Um, the, the lack of the peace of God is the craziness that people are living nowadays. Um, and, and tonight's going to be a powerful night. Tonight, tonight is really going to be a powerful night. Um, I, I would like to suggest that, that, that our encouraging one another is what needs to happen so that, um, so that there is a, uh, I, mean, I mean, on Sundays we're packed out in the English service. There's not one seat left. And then Spanish service is packed out also. Uh, we're pretty much full in both services. Uh, the midweek meetings are those meetings that, that allow us to go a little bit deeper than the Sunday message, uh, to study God's word um, and to meditate thereupon. And, and I, I believe God's going to do something powerful today. Um, this is usually in, in different places that I have gone, there's something called tag team preaching where it's one service, but they have two preachers. And we're going to do that tonight. We're going to tag team with Jenison Franklin. How many say amen? Um, he's, gonna, he's here visiting us here uh, via, via satellite, right? Um, we were able to meet him and his family about three years ago in Arizona. And uh, a phenomenal preacher who's uh, from the age of 18 has preached up a storm. He told us that he was going around with his accordion. You imagine he's been preaching since they used accordions. And um, the guy is a powerhouse. He's passionate about God. In the middle of where he preaches is Gainesville, Georgia. I was able to go up to his church uh, in Gainesville, Georgia. And it, it looks like a spaceship came out of heaven. This huge church in the middle of nowhere. How many have ever heard of Gainesville, Georgia? It's in the middle of nowhere. It's out in the, this, and this huge state-of-the-art, the most modern um, spaceship that I've seen, like land there, uh, with phenomenal seating and lighting. They, they have like three floors. The bottom floor is like a basement where they have their youth hall and their cafeteria. And... Uh, just, just God just moving on behalf of these people because they're passionate about God. And so God pours out from the heavens his goodness. So he's going to do the second part of this message. You guys mind if I go first? Because if he goes first, then I have nothing to say. Um, but we're going to have him tonight. And so let's pray that God would speak to you. I, I don't want to use even one second of our time here tonight without us being serious about God. Us being serious about his spirit. And God is, not, God is not into the multitudes. The multitudes are into um, having God serve them. But we understand our call. We're to serve God. You know, the multitudes want God to bring bread and fish. And they'll stick around as long as there's bread and fish. But the disciples will be there when everybody goes home. And so we're disciples of Christ. We're, we're asking God, bring us in to greater understanding of who you are and and. You know, the pursuit of his pleasure to please God, that's, that's what we're into. If you were to read with me 1 Thessalonians 4, um, 
that, that was the heritage of those men that were following God. And, and Paul writes to the Thessalonians and he says, uh, one thing I charge you, if there's one thing that I want to entrust to your care, is that you would learn how to serve Christ at greater and greater degrees. And so that, that's what I'm interested in. Um, I want to learn how to do this at, at greater and greater levels. First um, Thessalonians 4.1, put it up there. Finally, he's at the end, right, of his letter. We urge urgency and we exhort in the Lord. We call your attention strong in the Lord that you should abound more and more. Just as you received from us, you should be more and more in your particular understanding how you ought to walk and to please God. How many are on that, in that pursuit? You know, I want to perfect my pursuit of God. And, and it's a deliberate, intentional pursuit on how to please God. Um, how people live to trample God's pleasure is beyond me. Is beyond me. Um, I would I would go as far as to say that that is a form of insanity. It's not healthy to live ignoring God's desire. Um, and so, a, a true Christian is abounding. Say with me, more and more. I, I don't see anything like backing off or, or staying still. Pressing forward more and more, more and more, more, Lord, more. I want to know you more. And so tonight deals with that as we get into the word. Father, we give you thanks for your goodness, and we give you thanks for your mercy, and we give you thanks that we find ourselves in the house of the Lord, and we, we marvel at the fact that you're doing a work in us, Lord. Like David said, what is man that you should be mindful of him, nor the son of man that you should visit him? So we... Bear witness that your spirit is with us and that we can never do anything to flee from the presence of your spirit. If we go to the highest mountain, you are there. If we go to the lowest pit, your spirit contends for us earnestly and zealously. So we surrender and we ask that you show us the truths of your kingdom, the parameters, the, the boundaries, the the measure of your joy. And we pray, Father God, that that would be our delight. That as you show us the clarity of your ways, we rejoice. And we conform to the image of your Son who delighted in you. That we be transformed from that lawless, lawless and lustful passion of pursuing things outside of your goodness and allow us to see, oh God, that you have been faithful in marking out for us the course for the race that we are running. Allow your word to be a lamp unto our feet and as these men of God speak into our lives, that we rejoice that we have been found worthy, oh God, to hear these things that pertain to the eternal life. Now, Lord, allow this word to confirm 
and affirm your work in our lives so that we might bask under the shadow of the Most High God, that we might glory in the dew that falls from heaven, that we receive the portions of our inheritance that you have assigned to us. And we will praise you gloriously and we will serve you faithfully and we will endure and persevere until you come so that we not be ashamed, so that we not be left out and left behind. Now continue your work in our lives and give us that precious bread from heaven, your word, and bless it and prosper it in our lives and in our hearts. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, inspired by uh, the fact that, that in the recent days, uh, I was talking to my parents this morning and they said, you really have to uh, look at um, this last message that Jenison Franklin, the pastor in Gainesville, Georgia, he was sharing on this topic. Um, not too many people are bringing this word uh, called world-changing boundaries. Um, today, the world has decided to trample every established mark that has ever been set up uh, that keeps us confined within peace. And we have trampled every order. And there's disorder in the land. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 28, that you should not remove the landmarks that have been set in prior years by our fathers. There, there's great wisdom. There, there is great peace and prosperity. Uh, the, the prodigal son did not understand this. And he discarded his father's advice. He discarded his father's uh, heart. And he, and he just ran to his own uh, perishing. But these, these were, were truths that are set from generation to generation. If you see that there's a lack of prosperity from one generation to the next, is this trampling of these markers. This word landmark means boundary, which your fathers have set. They have significance. Um, and, and so you have uh, people that have a heart towards God that want to find out where these boundaries are. What, what is the pleasure of those who have gone before us. And Psalm 16, verse 6, um, very few men have something called contentment to say the boundary lines that are set for me is my uh, place of pleasantness. As, as they're being marked out, I'm content. I don't have to go outside of the boundaries. Um, I had some very peculiar boundaries set for me uh, as I was growing up. My father would say, you know something, you're not playing football. You're not playing football. And all my friends were playing football. They were talking about football. But not all my friends had fathers who were brain surgeons and had rescued people with broken necks. So there was people doing things without knowledge. And the Bible says uh, people without knowledge perish. But thank God for my dad who kept me within the boundaries of instruction. He says, you're not to ride motorcycles either. And every single one of my friends had a motorcycle. But they were boundaries set by the benefit of the Father God had put in my life for protection, for provision, for prosperity, for peace, for healing. 
And so David was one of these men. He says, the lines have fallen to me in a pleasant place. Is that the attitude of your heart? Or are you always contending with the lines that have fallen? Are you always challenging and wanting to move those lines and to remove the landmarks? And I want, to, I want to tell you that when that is your disposition, number one, you don't know what a boundary is. Number two, you can't tell one if you saw it. Number three, you're not looking for it. You're not desiring it. Number four, you have not a father. You're, not, you're an orphan. You're, you're just walking in any direction. That's what an orphan means without, without uh, direction. The lines have fallen to me in a pleasant place. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I have something that's being passed down to me, and I will pass it down to my children. And so the Bible says there are some people who cannot appreciate this, and it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8, that it says there are those who dig a well and fall into it, and those who demolish and break through a wall only to be bitten by a serpent. How many of us could only learn we shouldn't have done something when something wrong goes on? And then we say we shouldn't have disobeyed, we shouldn't have not listened, we shouldn't have despised. And so the Bible says those who break through barriers and boundaries will suffer loss. We've heard the story of the young man who goes to his next door neighbor and it said, do not enter on the fence. And the neighbors were out for vacation. And he says, now that they're out on vacation, I'm going to sneak in where it says, do not enter. And I'm going to dive into the pool only to find out that the neighbor was fixing the pool while he was gone and there was no water and he would break his neck. So every time we break a boundary, every time we despise a landmark, we will suffer that consequence. But God is faithful to have established from long ago that we're to seek out these, these manners and markings. We have in Exodus the, the boundaries to stay within the home behind the blood of the lamb that would protect the people of Israel from the angel of death that was marching that night. And I'm sure that there were some that says we don't need a boundary. We don't need a protection to keep us safe and suffer the loss of the judgment of that night. In Psalm 139, verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is David trying to enter in within the, the order of God. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Look at, look at my worries. I, I want to suggest tonight that Every time we fail to be within the safeguards of God's boundaries, you're going to have some intense concern. You're going to be lost for direction. You're going to be like the prodigal son returning saying, please, dad, keep me within the boundaries of being a, a, a recipient of your graciousness. Because he thought, he says, all these guys that live with my dad, everything is going good for them. And here I am, far from the dictates of his pleasure, eating pig slop. And so he says, see and test me and know. And then he says, what leads to the anxiety of the thoughts and anxiousness, verse 24. See if there is any offense, if there's any offensiveness, wicked way in me, 
and lead me on the right path. Lead me within the bounds of your boundaries. Where are the markings? I was just teaching my sons uh, a couple weeks ago. We went out here on the bay and there's markings on, on either side. My nieces, I was telling them, you keep um, the green on the right as you go out and the red on the left and you go into channels and you don't get stuck. And then when you return, you look for markers, you look for boundaries. Uh, the secret of navigating South Florida waters and boating is you keep the red markers on the right when you return. Red, right, return. And if you keep those markers on the right side, the green on the left, you get to come into the marina without hitting the underwater barrier reefs. And so we too must navigate so we not, like the Bible says, get shipwrecked in our faith. We must, we must concern ourselves. Who The Bible says be careful with, uh, keep boundary markers with those whom you have fellowship with. 1 Corinthians 15, Don't you know that bad company corrupts character? Evil company causes you to, to deteriorate your relationship with God. And pretty soon you find yourself in the company of fools that do not concern themselves of the way of the Lord. And you say, how did it happen? How did I grow indifferent to the to the to the markers of God. I used to care what I did and where I went and what I thought. And so these markers are there for us that we far go these offensive ways. Now let me tell you something. Those that walk without boundaries will be more prone to conditions of depression. People I tell them, call me all the time, Pastor, I'm so depressed. I was like, give me your black box. Let me see what you're thinking about. Let me see what you're burning your fuel upon. Because my Bible says something else in Philippians 4.8. The Bible says, make sure that your meditation is on things that are virtuous and worthy. Make sure that your, your meditations are on pleasant things. Make sure. It's powerful. He says like this, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any excellence, if there's any wisdom, if there's any praiseworthy, meditate upon these things, the things you've learned and received and heard and saw these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Where is their depression in that? It says the abundance peace of God will be there. And if you go uh, earlier in verse 6, there's a boundary there. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, let your prayers be known to God. Keep your life of thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God so that peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts from anxiety, depression, and, and minds through Christ Jesus, meditating on things that are excellent. These are boundaries. My brother, a psychiatrist, Jules says that the people that he most treats in his psychiatric practice with the veterans' hospitals are people who have trampled boundaries. The Lord says, do not have sex, they have sex. 
The Lord says, do not get into pornography. They don't have any bounds for pornography. The Lord says, do not uh, uh, set your eyes on anything wicked. And they're, they're constantly taking in all the perversion and unclean things. When you demolish a boundary set, you could be bitten by a snake. Dis, uh, anxiety disorders, eating disorders, addictions, impulsive disorders, shame issues, guilt issues, panic disorders, uh, relational struggles. It says everyone who suffers these affairs are those who most often are trampling the boundaries set by God. And so 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For although we are in the flesh, we do not fight according to the flesh. There are, there are offensive weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but mighty. They establish the boundaries of God to put strong things out of our life. Verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Bringing them... See... If, if it goes beyond the boundary of letting God be, you got to say, hey, come down here and submit. You're not ruling my life. You're a disobedient thought. You're, you're running, you're trampling the order of God. I'm not going to be consumed by thoughts of concern, anxiousness, and worry. And so the Bible says in Acts 17, 26, that even before we all arrived upon the earth, this is for everyone now, God has made one blood of all nations of men for us to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has predetermined, pre-appointed the times of our dwelling. You didn't pick to be uh, born in the, in the Middle Ages. You didn't get picked to be born in, in the times of the, the knights and chivalry in England and the lords. You were born for this time. It was pre-appointed by God. What for? That you should dwell within the boundaries set by God. I have constantly men asking me, should I be married to my wife? They're contemplating leaving the bounds of marriage, holy matrimony. And those are dangerous waters to navigate. And so we must press into this. For there's grave consequences 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13. The high priest Eli refused to set boundaries for his children. I mean, you know some parents like that. Some grandparents like that. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, just wear whatever you want. Have whatever type of friends. Come and go as you want. No curfew. No times. No seasons. I was talking to a father recently and I said, it's necessary that you're four-year-old son have a nap time how many remember that a time to rest Jesus the son of God says I must go and rest and there's some people that don't rest some lady brought me a little kid once and says I think he's demon possessed I said no you are because you have given your child no rest so if you live without boundaries if you live without the peace of God you're surely to suffer and it says, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity, the ungodliness. That's what iniquity is. It's, it's leaving the bounds of God. It's what Satan did. He says, I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm going to raise my throne above the throne of God. I'm going to call the shots. I'm going to tell God what's going to happen. And the Bible says that Eli having no boundaries 
And this judgment would come upon his house for every subsequent generation for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not provide boundaries for them. He did not restrain them. It's only one thing worse than a child without boundaries. What do you think it is? A parent with no boundaries. An adult that doesn't understand the wisdom of God. To say, Lord, what, where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Even the boundaries with the measure of our words, the Bible says to keep silent. And we open our mouth and we destroy. He did not restrain them. Verse 14 says, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli shall no longer be repaired. There's nothing else that he can do to repair his lack of having boundaries by sacrifice or offerings forever. This is irreparable damages when you have no measure. When you have no measure, it, it brings nauseousness to the heart of God. If we read Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10, where he says, if you exchange weights, if you have different measures, these both things, you know, you tell somebody, hey, this is serious. Oh, no, it's nothing. No, 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 this is serious. Oh, no, it's nothing. Nothing's gonna happen. He says, both of these things are an abomination to God. Let's go ahead and make a transition here to a man who we, we honor in our generation as being a prince amongst preachers. And he has a word for us along these lines so that there would be no confusion. His name is Pastor Gentison Franklin from Gainesville, Georgia. And, and let's just receive what he's gonna bring to the table tonight. And, and I pray that this is just more than just hearing wise words and wisdom from a man who has lived, he's older than I and has ministered longer than I and is passionate about God. Let's go ahead and watch this. that underscores the importance of having boundaries set up in our lives. And that's what I'm speaking on today, building boundaries. God said to Moses, I am coming down from my throne in heaven to Mount Sinai. I am going to touch down on that mountain. And before I do, I want you to tell the people to sanctify themselves. You tell the people that I'm holy, that I'm coming back, I'm coming to where they are, they're gonna hear the sound of a trumpet, and when the trumpet sounds, I'm going to show up, God Almighty. And when I show up, they better be clean. They better be sanctified. Tell them to change their clothes and wash their clothes. Tell them to wash the spots 
Get the defilement off of them. I want my people to be clean when I show up. We know this is all type. This is all symbols of, uh, of us being without spot, without blemish, cleansed, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm coming, and when you hear the trumpet sound, you better be ready because anyone who is on the wrong side of the barriers that I'm telling you to build. He said, I want you to seal the mountain off and I want you to take barriers. And I, I've got these little props. And he said, I, I want you to set them up, Moses. You build them. You dig the holes. You set up the fences. You run the barbed wire or whatever they build them out of back then. And you build barriers and you set them. And wherever you say the perimeter is, wherever you say the barrier goes, wherever you place it, that will be the foot of the mountain, and you tell the children of Israel that they are not to cross over. I'll give no free passes. He even says if, if, if they step over it, if, they're, if they have one leg over on the other side that they're not supposed to be on, then when I come down, they're going to die. These barriers were very important. These barriers were death or life. I'm coming, I want my people to be clean, I want my people, when the trumpet sounds, you won't have time to change it then. If you're on the wrong side of the barrier, you're going to drop dead. So you better be ready when the trumpet sounds and make sure you're on the right side of the barrier because there's a difference between where my people are and where, where they're not. And I want barriers between them because when the trumpet sounds, it's going to be quick and I'm going to come, and when I come, you better be on the right side of those barriers. And folks, what we need today, and I want to say to the preachers that are listening, where are the barriers? Where is the preaching that says we're believers and we set up boundaries and we don't go to certain places and do things like the world does? There ought to be a difference between us and them. If you're somewhere that you shouldn't be when the trumpet sounds, you're going to lose your life. So set boundaries up and keep those boundaries and preserve those boundaries because they're important. There's fire on that mountain, so stay off that mountain. And I thought about the barriers that we need to hear about. I'm concerned. I'm concerned when I hear Christians, and particularly teenagers and college kids who are partying and getting drunk as they can be and partying out of their minds and think nothing, the morality of sleeping around and multiple partners somewhere we need to understand that they're supposed to be barriers that says, no, we're believers. We don't go there. We don't do that. That doesn't belong in my life. That doesn't belong in my family. But what I'm seeing now is like, there's no boundaries. There's no standards. There's no difference between us and the world. There's no difference in our, our morality. There's no difference in anything we're doing. And Moses starts building fences. Where are the fences? God did not give the fence locations to Moses. He said, you set it up. 
Listen to what Hebrews 13 and 7 said. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your soul. We don't get up and just preach against stuff like I'm preaching right now, going to wild parties. What business do you have going to parties and where they're smoking dope and getting high and you're drinking with them and smoking with them? I know, I know a cigarette ain't going to send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you're, you're in the wrong place when you get to heaven. If God wanted you to smoke, he would have put a chimney on your head. But, but see, we, we used to have some barriers. We used to have some barriers in the church. We used to say, church folk don't do that. We used to have some barriers. And if you don't get barriers, then, then, then you just, what's the difference between what you have before Christ and after Christ. It's a barrier. And it's not legalism. It's protection. It's keeping things out. It's, it's a blessing to have barriers. Some of you have no standards. It's greasy grace. Adam was given two responsibilities. Adam, name the animals. And just keep the plants. You're going to keep some things and you're going to name some things. Name some things and what you call it, it'll be called. And we're living in a day when moms and dads have got to be the Moses to their family. I don't care what they're doing two houses down, five houses down. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I am the Moses of my house. And I don't care if, if, if my neighbor's house or my Christian friend's house has a barrier over here and says their children can go that far. I'm going to do it the best. All I know to do is pray and seek God, stay in the Bible, remember where I came from, remember what worked for my parents and their parents. It's kept us all these generations. So I think I'll dig me some fence holes right here, put my barrier up right here. I know I'm a little old-fashioned. I know I'm a little conservative. But you know what? I think I'm going to put my barrier right here. And this is my, and I am the Moses for my house. And parents, if you don't get some boundaries in your family, if you don't get a hold of what I'm preaching, if you don't learn that you can't just let the world and MTV or whoever set the boundaries because there will be none, Hollywood has none, the public school system has none, nobody is going to, you're going to have to say, what is the standard of my house? And those kids may not like it. They won't. But you just take that and say, we're building a little standard right here. And if you're going to live in this house, that's how far we go. And we don't go any further than that. And if you keep going further than that, then you're on your own. I've had, I've had several of mine say, I'm leaving. I'm running away. They don't go long. They, they're gone for a few days. I take care of my kids real good. They get to missing stuff real quick. I had one of them get mad and say, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. I said, what you leaving in? <laughs> uh, that's my Toyota, you know. Check the registration. 
Oh, and put the suitcase back with the clothes. They're my clothes, my high heels, all of it is mine. All that stuff belongs to me. You can leave with the clothes you have on and the purse you've got. The rest of them are mine. She ran away, went down the street into the woods, sat under a tree in the freezing cold and called her sister. And within an hour, her sister picked her up. She came back. She left saying, give me. She came back saying, forgive me. All my children are serving God. All my children love the Lord. But you know what? I had to fight for these, these things. I had to set them up. I had to say, no, you ain't going out with that heathen. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what other people are doing. I don't care. No, we don't drink. I don't care. I'm not judging nobody. They may be good people. But if they're going to be drinking over that, you're not going. Nope, 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 nope. And boy, I'm telling you, we went through seasons where they, I was, we were hated by our, our kids. Oh, God, I'll never raise my children like this. Now they come to us and say, y'all are the greatest parents. I want to be just like you. One of, them, one of them had the audacity to tell me, Daddy, I'm going to marry a man just like you. That's called revenge. This stuff works. This will preserve your family. This will keep your family rapture ready. I don't care what other churches and people are doing. You better set you up some standards and say, as for me and my house, this is it. We won't go any further. You, you, you who are single, you better set you up some boundaries. If you wait till you're in the back seat, speaking in tongues, <laughs> feeling led, yeah, you're feeling led all right. You have to go on dates nowadays with the heathens that are out there now. You take your barriers with you. <laughs> you, you just go, this is a no trespassing zone pretty much. Keep your hands off my legs. Keep your hand. Come on here. Let's get plain a minute. Keep your hands off my rear. No, no, I have boundaries. I know, I know that's too much for you. But your kids are going hog wild. And it's because they're not being challenged. I don't want my kids to hate me, Pastor. When the trumpet sounds, they're not going to hate you. They're going to say, thank you, Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not letting me get in that. Thank you. I'm saying to you, you better wake up. Because here's, here's what I want to say. You have to have personal values. Personal values are not things that are, that, are, that are necessarily black and white. For example, I can't tell somebody if they drink a glass of wine, they're going to go to hell. I, that, I, I'm going to stick with the word. I can tell you this. For me, for me, and my family, and my, on both sides of our family, it's been a blessing that our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents put up a barrier and said, these homes are going to stay alcohol-free. Now, here, generations later, I am in the ministry, a lot of my family, all my family pretty much in ministry. 
And it's because those barriers, they worked. None of us have ever been in rehab. It worked. That's all I can tell you. Now, now, so, so now, number one, I have my personal values. Then secondly, there's traditional values. That's the teaching. Traditionally, the church has stood against some things, has proclaimed some things, and said the church takes a firm stand, like on, on, on homosexuality, adultery, marriage, divorce. You know, we're, we're for everybody. We love everybody. But I've got barriers up in my marriage. Sharice and I decided 25 plus years ago we would put barriers up. And we sometimes have been right to the edge. This is divorce. <laughs> but you have to have barriers that say we might get mad at each other, we might get ugly with one another, we might say things we shouldn't with one another, but we have these barriers and for us divorce has never been an option, will never be an option. Sometimes she pushes me right there or I push her right there. But what you have to do is once you get there, you don't even go there. It's never an option. See, if you've got those barriers, it's we turn right back around, we make up, we, we fall in love again, everything's wonderful until I do something stupid and she pushes me out here again. Or I push her out here again. This is marriage. And it's the best thing going. And it's wonderful. But this is marriage. But you have to have barriers. You lose your personal values, the traditional values, and then the devil goes for the core values. Your personal values, I don't flirt, I don't, I don't go there, I don't do that. That's done away. Then the traditional values, you stop wanting less of church, less of God, less of the Bible, less of prayer, all of that. And then the enemy gets to your core values and your integrity, your character. Who you really are when people aren't around begins to be compromised. You begin to play the hypocrite, and you can't do that. You have these things set up as barriers to keep the core of your family, of your marriage, of your walk with God, of your anointing, of the power of God. And, and by God, if we don't watch it, we just keep stepping over the barriers. And once you start stepping over them, it gets easier and easier and easier. And before you know it, you don't believe anything anymore. So how do we, how do we balance this thing out? I know we're saved by grace. I get all of that. It's not of works. I know all of that. But I also know that it's not legalism once you are saved. To build some barriers in your mind, with your eyes, with your ears. Proverbs 4 said, guard your heart with all diligence. Guard it. Be careful. Guard your heart. Don't give your heart to anything and anybody. Guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. Some of you just, anything goes. 
Guard your heart. Guard your purity. Young people, guard your purity. Guard your walk with God. Guard your spirit. Guard it because if you don't put barriers up, when the trumpet sounds, you could be on the wrong side of the barrier. I close. I close with this thought. Every parent in this room is the Moses for your family. And if you just let anything and everything go, I'm telling you in the 21st century, Satan is going to rip your family to shreds. You have to take stands and sometimes you'll cry and I laughed about one of our kids. We've had all of them serving God now. All of them fully in love with Jesus. All of them doing wonderful. I'm so proud of them. But there were times when Sharice and I had to take those barriers and say it worked. I hope it's right. I don't even know anymore. I'm wondering myself, my God, this is, you raise, you raise five, four teenagers and one to go. You raise them, then you come tell me your story. I don't want to hear your little thing now. You don't have any children, but you know what I would do. No, I'm not interested. So you got to learn what mountain's worth fighting over. You got to learn, you know, is this a big deal? And is that not a big deal? And well, sure, he's a good guy. You can go out with him. I know he doesn't believe like we believe. That's fine. He loves the Lord. That's good. That's good. All that. that, that. Nope. Nope. Now, here's a big one. Boom. Sorry. That's how you have to be. I don't know if this is making sense. This is how a parent has to be. This is clear in the book. This, this is right here in the Bible. Honey, this is what the Bible says. And if I let you do that, that's against God's Word. So, And sometimes you lay there and you cry and you wonder, was, was my parents crazy? Were they wrong? What, 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 is this stupid or is this, is this legalism or is this, maybe if I backed off and just kind of let them do whatever, I'm telling you, I've been through it. This is the advantage of having an old Moses up here. Because this will keep you out of hell. This will keep your families together. This will keep your marriage together. This will keep your children. I have no business going back to some of the places God set me free from. The scripture said it's like a dog going back to its vomit. And if you don't have clear boundaries, it'll be a matter of time before the enemy pulls you right back in. And he will try, I assure you. And that's why you don't wait till you get out there. You have boundaries that are already set. I feel like. ask the worship team to come forward and ask you to stand here tonight what Derek Prince said many times is that he didn't believe in delinquent children he believed in delinquent parents parents like Eli who didn't have any boundaries and everything was a go 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 the Bible says in Matthew 537 that let your yes be yes and your no be no it's a boundary. You're not going to water it down. You're not going to make it level. Because anything, whatever is more than these, is from the evil one, Satan himself. 
has no distinction between yes and no. Has no distinction. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, the heart that should be cultivated in our lives is that this is the love of God, that we have boundaries, that we were kept within the commandments of God, his instruction. This is, this is where God's love is revealed. And, and you can say with me what I've always said for a long time, his commandments are not burdensome. His trying to love on me and keep me safe is not grievous. Doesn't make me sad. I rejoice. They made studies in psychology years ago that children who had no boundaries were the most insecure. The marriages that were established without the foundation of holiness and sacredness. And I thank God that I came to Jesus Christ before Yvette and I met and we were able to keep our relationship holy with the boundaries of no sex before marriage. And that has kept our relationship in peace. Has made a strong foundation that's not founded on lust and no restraint and no, no boundaries. It's a spiritual blessing for a thousand generation that's passed down. These iniquities don't pass on to my children and they've been able to stand strong. And my nieces, I know that they're going through a season where, where God is keeping them and these are, these are pleasant things. And we can say, God, thank you. Thank you that, that you have brought these things into my life. I'm gonna invite you to come before the altar of God, which is something that we have access to through the blood of Jesus. And tell God to reestablish in your heart his boundaries. That you make your heart sensitive to the Holy Spirit that you not grieve this Holy Spirit that keeps you within the boundaries of God's pleasure and heart. As we sing this song, again, I invite you to come to the altar and to say, Lord, I, I want to change my position on every time you've, you've come into my life to touch upon an area. The Bible says, don't harden your heart when this happens because then sin becomes super deceitful. And what Jenison Franklin says, you're not going to be able to tell anything between right and wrong, good and bad, blessing and curse. As we sing, and this has become holy ground, I invite you to come and say, Lord, renew in me a steadfast heart. Like David did in Psalm 51, create within me an upright spirit. Give me purity of my eyes that I not put my eyes on wicked things. I don't put my ears to hear gossip. I went out to eat with a pastor about two days ago who came from out of town. And he says, let's go have lunch. And as we sat down for lunch, he began to tell me a whole bunch of things about a whole bunch of pastors. I said, do me a favor. I don't want to know anything that's dirty and twisted. And you decide those boundaries. You decide to tell people not throw the trash in your direction not to tell cursed jokes. And let's just spend some time in the holy presence of God, thanking him for his wonderful embrace. For tonight has been a special night. And we can glorify the God who raises the sun in the morning as every sunrise declares the majesty and the mercy of our God. And every sunset is the finality of a day. And we could rejoice day after day in the goodness of God. Go ahead and sing a song to the Lord.
Father, there's no doubt that in your presence there's fullness of joy. And in your commandments we delight, for it is our meditation day and night that we would be found blameless living in your pleasure, following after your desire. We, our children and our children's children after us, delighting in the presence of the Lord so that he might give us the desires of our heart. I pray, Father God, that the devil would be defeated as we become more and more obedient to recognize those landmarks, those boundaries, the places you have drawn, the line in the ground, oh God, that we should stay within the territory and the land of your blessing, where it flows with milk and honey. For we walk not in the path of sinners, nor do we stand in the way of the ungodly, nor do we sit and mock. But our delight is in these laws, these boundaries that you have established. That is our meditation day and night. We shall be like a tree planted next to the running rivers of water whose fruit will not fail and leaf will not wither. And whatever we do shall prosper in that land of promise. Allow us to continue to press into the fear of God, which is the wisdom of knowing that you loved us so much, O oh God, that you have kept us within the distance of your embrace. Prosper this word in our hearts, in our lives, and allow us to proclaim this reality of a faithful God who has placed amazing boundaries for our safeguard and prosperity. We pray in Jesus' name, and the house of God says, Amen and Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah.